Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 84 of the North Meet South Wear podcast. Here we are. And you know what? It's as weird because I have a, uh, your video is lagging behind your audio for some mm. reason. So your internet is not gooding, as you say. No, it is not gooding. My, I don't know. My computer is just lagging at the moment, which is rather tedious. I don't know why. I turned, I came to use my computer this morning and the battery was at like 6% and it said that it's not charging. And that is odd to me because whilst it's not charging and it's at 6%, it's also not discharging. So it's just kind of sitting at mm-hmm. 5% and it has sitting been. At 6%. Yeah, yeah. So I had a look at it this morning and like three hours ago, it was at 5% and I... I went to the gym and I came back and it is still at 5% and says that yeah. it'll take like three hours to charge. So we'll see what happens. That may be, con- oh, that may be contributing oh, yeah. to the lag. That's this. Gotcha. That's what that image was that you were sending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was trying to figure that out. You know what? Like on my Mac, honestly, I've had to um, I've had to unplug it and replug it in. This is like actually on a semi-regular yeah. basis. Like I'll, I'll be, it's supposed to be charging. Yeah, I did this multiple times. It looks like it's yeah. charging. And then all of a sudden, like my machine starts getting really slow. Yeah. And then I look at the charge and it's like plugged in, but it's like 5%. And then it's like, I have to unplug it and plug it back in and then it starts charging. Yeah, so actually. I thought it was the so, USB-C like multi thing that I've got, the USB dock, dock thing. thing. And so yeah, I unplugged yeah. that and I plugged yep. the like that full power cable directly into my MacBook and it's still still, still wonky. Yeah, laggy and and it didn't like it still I plugged it in and it said it was not charging and I restarted the computer. Like I did a full shutdown and a cold boot and it still said that it's not charging. So I don't know what the heck's going on. So I'm, and it's, and I'm just gonna And now it's lagging like a lagging like, lagging a, banana, like a banana. As the yeah. Aussies I don't know the say. Aussies don't say that I just said that because <laughs> I was trying to not use profanity. I was like that's what I was wondering. I was like is that like a is that an Aussie yeah. name or what? Like I was like nah, lagging like just, a banana. Just me and then you're like, no, 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 no. It's just a yeah, Michael. It's just a Michaelism. <laughs> and like I don't know. And I assume like when my phone starts to get into that 10% like power saving kind of thing, it just like it it gets laggy as well. So I suspect it's just going into like some kind of self-preservation mode. Yeah, right, right. Like Preserve as much battery as you can. Stop animating. Right, yeah. Stop doing all the things fast. Which it yeah. appears to be doing. So well, Andreas hey, is watching, so he can tell us if I am as janky as right. it appears that I am. Yeah, and maybe maybe just delay yeah. or something like that. Just the video and the audio aren't aren't quite synced up. Hey, uh, folks, I apologize if I uh, am yawning throughout this show. I've already been asleep tonight, and so I'm back up, back up and at it. We uh, we pushed back a day because my parents were in town yesterday and so uh we're normal time but an hour later on you know due to me so we're gonna make it happen we are going to make it happen and you know what while we're right at the top of the show why don't we just talk about work vivo huh talk about work with them real quick before we before we uh yeah so i actually had a call with work vivo not too long ago actually joe lennon and the team over there at work vivo they're doing some really cool stuff so basically work vivo is i don't want to say facebook for your for your thing that's for your company for your organization because that's not exactly what it is but um it's a really great communication platform that unifies a whole bunch of different channels uh that you would normally uh handle through email through slack through a message board through a sort of 
HR platform. It, it takes and unifies a whole bunch of that stuff. And some of the things that I really, really like about WorkVivo is that it takes some of your cultural values and allows you to integrate those into the platform really well. So you can say, hey, here we value uh, our reputation and hard work and fair dealings, right? Those are just some of the ones I pulled out of my hat from our company. And then you can actually say, this person uh, exemplified this value at the company today. And then you can kind of like give them a shout out on the on the company main feed. But then you also have all these other sub feeds that people can subscribe to or listen to or comment on. So people can generate their own content and really feel like they are contributing to the company and not just a consumer, right? So a new person getting onboarded immediately feels like they're a part of the stream and they're not only locked down to their single particular team, they actually have a voice in the in the entire company. It's really well done. They just got done with another round of funding because people think it's so amazing and it is. And so if you haven't checked out WorkViva before and you're looking for something kind of like what I'm describing here, you should definitely get on a call with Joe and his team. They're really professional and really awesome people. Um, Like I said, I got on a call with them a couple times and uh, yeah, they're excellent. So definitely check them out. Thanks WorkViva for sponsoring the show. Okay. So let's get down to it then. So we have been working on Mm -hmm. uh, then ping me, of course, uh, and all of the good stuff. So some of the things that we've kind of been working on recently have revolved around, uh, I know, kind of switching all of our things from uh, what we had previously built with Teams over to Jetstream. So we can talk about that a little bit. Uh, That's been interesting kind of digging in on that front. And then we've also had some interesting items around how we're handling Stripe and our subscriptions. So uh, I'm trying to think about which one we'd kind of rather tackle first. I have lots of good stuff. I don't know if it's good stuff. I have lots of stuff. I will tell you what I would say about Stripe first. Um, That is this promotion of yours that you told me that you had. Let's hear it. (laughs) That I I didn't even know this was on the cards. And you're like, sorry, dude, I have not been working on them ping me because I've been busy with promotion and all this extra work. So I want to know about this because this this came out of nowhere. Where do you where do you get promoted to from Team Lead? Yeah, sure. So So the the journey at Wilbur, and I'll give you the short and sweet version of it. So I was, you know, I was a teacher before this. I got, uh, I got, I, I moved over to this company, Wilbur, which I'm at now, so that my wife could eventually, hopefully, stay home, and uh, moved around a little bit. Ended up moving back to Wilbur, landed there as uh, strictly software development. That was kind of like where I ended up. I was initially break fix IT guy, and ended up coming mm-hmm. back as software development dude. That was all I did. Uh, eventually, team grew a little bit, and um, when I very, very first came on, the first time I was at Wilbur, kind of my head was like branding manager. So like I would handle all the mm-hmm. advertisements that went out as well as break fix IT stuff. So I sort of had some of the creative team under me as well. So uh, we ended up hiring more developers, uh, more creative team members, all that. So my team was about maybe six or seven a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, four weeks ago almost now. And uh, our director of IT uh, had left for another job opportunity and and we had been looking to have an outside hire and had some people come in, nobody that was really a great <laughs> culture fit. And so they said, you know what, Jake, <laughs> what would you think about <laughs> managing the IT team as well? And at first I was like, oh man, like here's the deal. Literally, I'm when it comes to like actual IT stuff, incompetent. Like I don't know anything about networking. Like I don't know anything about like server mm-hmm backups and like active director, any of that stuff. I don't know any of that stuff, but to be honest, it's almost been an advantage because I don't, I can't just jump in and do the work, Mm -hmm. which is the temptation. A lot of times when there's like an overburdened area of work, it's like, Oh, I can do that. I'll just work harder and do that. And I can't. So, um, 
basically my job has been to hire the people that need to be hired in that department. So we're hiring two people. I've got two people that we're going to hopefully make offers to this next week, kind of get them in position and uh, get them trained up so I can just kind of help manage and oversee that. And then hire another developer as well in the near future and possibly some new creative team members as well in this next year. So um, that's kind of where things have been. It's been, you know, I went from a team of seven to a team of about, mm-hmm. uh, let's see, what is it now? Probably, probably 12, almost all. It will be 12, 12 or 13. So yeah, so it's been, uh, it's been kind of crazy. Uh, IT has been taking up a large portion of my life recently. And so um, we will eventually get back to software development land. That is kind of the, that is kind of the goal is that, you know, kind of stabilize that department so that I can kind of get back to like the thing that I'm really passionate about. But, but anyway, yeah, that's, that's kind of how the, how the journey has been for me. Um, So been, (laughs) Just a lot of uh, strategic thinking, yeah. probably more than anything. Uh, just trying to figure out who needs it's to go where. Definitely a change. I'm so, glad that yeah, uh, that's there kinda, is a that's very a job. real possibility that that will never happen to me if I stay where I am now. So that's that's good because <laughs> I don't want to. We've got a head of enterprise systems and a head of IT and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. So I don't don't have to worry about that in my future. What I what I am worried about is this is this is my last week of yeah. parental leave. So I'm back on deck at work next week after six weeks off, and I'm. I spoke, I called my manager before. That's, that's why we were a little bit delayed uh, in recording today. And I'm like, I have some concerns about returning to work and just I'm sure that there's things that are just going to have been bubbling for the last six weeks that are just going to hit the fan when I get back. But um, he seemed pretty confident that everything will be fine and we just have to ship these projects that, that have been worked on <laughs> in my absence. So oh, we'll see what happens. But we're we're doubling your position there right now. Sorry, is that uh, are you kind of the team lead? So like you have a a group that you kind of you're the uh, what do they call it the leader among equals, if you will, something like that. Where basically you're you're still doing the work and in the work, but you're the guy who gets to push the button mm-hmm. to say let's deploy this thing. Is that kind of what you would how you yeah. describe your role? Yeah, so I'm the lead software developer. So it's my response. Like you know, I take all of the responsibility for all of the failures and and none of the praise kind of thing. Sure. So yeah. um, it's, you know, my job to make sure that people do do good work and that I can facilitate their ability to, to do good work and, and keep people out of the way. So just sort of formalizing contact and making sure that my team doesn't have, you know, 10 different people contacting them for various different things. All the contact has to come to me. And then we try and make sure that the other side of the business is the same so that there's single points of contact between myself and the other team. So each team has a, as a person that contacts me if something needs to be done or worked on and, and things like that. And that's just to prevent, you know, 10 different people all coming to me with all different things. And then, you know, two people asking for the same thing and one person asking for a, a similar thing and, you know, and then no one, in the in the sort of leadership hierarchy knowing what's going on so it's just important yeah. to to keep the lines of communication clear and then whilst i would like for my job to largely be outside of that um you know development there's a lot of managing jira which is about to get more sticky because we're going to have to start putting time estimates in there rather than just cards on you know we'll do these things backlogging things and things like that um and there's a lot of requirement stuff because we don't really have a a ba or a project manager type person so a lot of that comes yeah, down to you know me going and, so you, and working yeah, so with that's... stakeholders and figuring out you know what are the requirements and what are the you know what is the mvp for x and what is the next step and things like that so it is kind of not really a lot of development and then of course if something breaks and then it gets into the operational yep. day-to-day stuff like fixing the problems and identifying 
you know, is it something that we could handle better next time? Like, will there be another failure and how do we better approach it next time? Or is it something that, you know, just broke and there's not really a lot that we can do about it and, and, and things like that. So it's just about documenting how we fixed or how we dug ourselves out of that hole. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah, that's a, that is a, um, I'm interested to hear kind of how that journey goes. Like as, as you know, as the business continues to grow and things like what sort of software you end up finding yourself using, like, you know, do you, does your work process fit into something like what, uh, Ryan Singer and those guys at Basecamp, you know, had a, had a while ago. What was that called? It's going to drive me crazy. They released that shape up, right? Shape up. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Like, does it fit into that? Like, can you guys do cycles like I that? I would love to, but um, I think, you know, we're, we're a business of a certain size now and the other development units or the other development teams in the, in the wider business, they're all sort of fairly agile ish. They, they do their cards and all that stuff's fairly well documented and they do two week sprints and so I think it's going to be a little bit more rigid, which is a bit annoying. And I've, I've been butting heads with my manager about it because I'm like, well, I'm just going to put the estimate for everything as two months because who the hell knows how long anything is going to take. It's so true, man. Like it's so hard to ship anything significant mm-hmm. in two weeks. Yeah. Like two weeks is just like you can get a like if it's a big thing, you can get part of that big thing done in two yeah. weeks. Like, but it's and you know, thing that, I don't know. It's it's like a good goal. Yeah, the other thing that I was arguing about is like, okay, well, this task is going to take three days, but that doesn't mean it's, you know, I start Monday and I finish Wednesday it means it'll take me three, it'll be three days of work. And whether I get three consecutive days to do that, right? or it'll be Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or it'll be Monday this week and then Tuesday, Thursday next week. And, you know, there's just, I, I don't think we're going to go into yeah, sprints, I feel like- but I just feel like putting estimates on things, it's like, and and the argument that it is now, the argument that it's always been at previous businesses, it's, it's put in your estimates to show the backlog of work so you can figure out how much you're getting through so that you can justify an additional hire. And my, right, my argument right. to that is always, well, look, if I didn't need another developer, then we would actually be getting through this backlog rather than this backlog getting bigger, <laughs> right? And you can see the backlog. Yeah. We just keep adding stuff to it and it doesn't get churned through because, you know, there's we're, we're waiting on third parties and stakeholders and, you know, we do some work and say, okay, we need some text and then we don't, you know, and text is an easy thing. And I'm, I'm happy to, for the most part, write the text and say, is this what you need? And all they have to do is say yes, or they have to massage some words or they have to change it. And that process can take days, weeks, just, just to hear back. And so things, yeah. things just get backlogged. I'm like, well, here's this thing that was supposed to take three days. I've spent two and a half days on it. And now it's just, sitting in my to-dos because I'm waiting, right? It's just sitting, awaiting contact, awaiting stakeholder, whatever. And then, you know, it comes back to me. It's like, well, what's going on? I'm like, I I asked for the feedback and I'm waiting for the feedback. Like I can keep harassing them, but it doesn't, you know. So <laughs> it's just structurally, you know, yeah. making sure that, okay, we've done this and we've sent the emails and and requested the contact. And it's like, well, it's not, you know, kind of the the handball. It's not, not up up to us anymore like i can't ship it until it's ready and it's not ready until everyone signed off on it so it'll it'll be interesting yeah and that's always the situation too is it's like as as you get that feedback you end up realizing like oh hey by the way that thing we said we needed sending out in text before we actually Mm -hmm. need it in email instead of in text so 
can you do both? Yeah, we it's can, like, but it's different, right? Yes, 160 character text message is very like, and then the email different. gets drawn out because now you've got basically an unlimited amount of thing. And it's like, we're we going to put all these yeah, exactly. all these words in here, and we want like to send all this information so the customer is informed. I'm like, you can send as much text as you want, but you cannot make the customer read that information. And the amount of times that I've had this argument, like, oh, we want to put another <laughs> checkbox. If you look at if you look at the final step of our sign up form, there's like nine checkboxes and 17 paragraphs of like you know, all of the different things that you're agreeing to and the things that will happen. And if you've got a phone number, you'll get discount. And like, and then people call us after the fact and they're like, well, my phone number is not working anymore. It's like, yeah, it was in the sign up form. You agreed to that. Oh, I didn't know. It's like, yeah, because people don't read it. The problem with having all of this text up in right. someone's face is that, you know, it's terms of terms of service kind of thing or privacy policy. Yeah, okay. Scroll to the bottom, agree, done. Like tick, tick, oh, for tick. Sure. People yeah, are yeah, just yeah. so exactly. tuned to just yeah, tick, exactly. tick, tick and, and hit submit. So... Well, also, nobody's ever, nobody, I mean, if we're being honest, we don't actually expect them to read that. No. We expect them to tick, tick, tick and be done. Correct. That's exactly, that's the expectation. And that's, everybody knows that and plays that same game. So we know we're just giving them crap to do so that we can do stuff to them later saying that they agreed to it. No, we don't actually expect that anybody's reading through that yeah. stuff ever. I, I had a big, big shit fight like a year ago that was, oh, we want to put in the, in like the invoice emails that if you have a credit card on file, your the invoice will be deducted, like we'll attempt to process the payment basically on the due date because customers were like, oh, I've got a credit card on file. Why have I got an invoice? It's like, well, because we sent an invoice 14 days in advance and then we'll, and so we put that in there because the the big fight was, you know, if you put that text in there, then customers won't call us. I'm like, no, customers don't read it. Literally the first thing in the email is, you know, you can pay this invoice if you have to. Yeah, and it, it's just picking your battles. It's like, all right, we'll put the work, we'll put the text in there, but it's not actually going to solve your problem. Right. It's about trying to find the, and this is the thing always, you're trying to find the underlying problem and solving that. People that come to you with solutions, like the amount of times that I've had a stakeholder come to me and say, I want to put a button here that does this. I'm like, no, I want to put a button somewhere that does this. What is your problem? You know, why do you need a button there? And I have been met with resistance and I have been met with fluster. Like I've said, you know, what do you need this thing for? And someone turns around and just gets pissy at me. Um, you know? Yeah. I've, there's this quote I love that says when a user comes to you with a problem, sorry, when they, when a user comes to you with a problem, they're almost always right. When they come to you with a solution, they're almost always wrong. Yeah. Right. So like the, the fact that they're coming to you with the solution indicates the fact that there likely is a problem of some Mm. sort. But the solution that they're proposing is almost always yeah. going to be the incorrect They're putting the cart before the horse. Because they don't either... Exactly. You got it correct. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a tough one. And it's like a very diplomatic sort of thing you got to deal with as like, you know, it's exactly the position you're in now, though. Like, literally, is that PM? I know. No diplomacy. <laughs> I try and get to the bottom of it. And if they don't want to play the game and they just want to, they just, they just leave and I never hear about it again. I say, well, that's one less bit of work that I have to do. So there you go. There you go. Yeah, man, it's going to be interesting to kind of see how that works out. I, I'm, yeah, I think, you know, this is a story that I'm sure many people who are listening to this will say, yeah, my company too, we have the same problem. It happens I'll say everywhere. One thing this that is we've not unique has to me or you. This yeah, is like everywhere. For, for sure. Yeah. And it's funny because I, I work for an internet provider, right? And if you call your internet provider, if you call our help desk and you say, my internet doesn't work, do you know what we do? We try and find out why. We get to the bottom of it. Is, th- is this light on on your router? Is um, does this work? Can you ping this IP address? Like, and you work backwards to find out what the problem is. This is the same thing. But when when it's a problem with our software, they're like, this thing's broken. I'm like, how did you get there? Oh, you, here's a screenshot of the error message. No, no, no. What did you do 
What you do to yeah. get there. Yeah. What what page did you go to? What data did you upload or what did you enter to get this 500 error? Because sending me a screenshot of the 500 is useless. Yes. I got yeah, the sentry sure. alert that there was a 500. What did you do to get there? And then you don't hear back from yeah. them because they're like, oh, there's enough information in the screenshot. If there was enough information in the screenshot, I wouldn't be asking you these dumb questions. <laughs> Dude, um, we actually, so speaking of that, we turned on um, like the JavaScript errors in Sentry. No. As much as we can, you know? No. no. Okay, so I know, I know, I know. Like That was my experience too when we turned them on three years ago. I don't know if something changed or if we just integrated it better or what we're using the view version now instead of like, you know, before we had like a bunch of jQuery stuff running around in there. And I'm telling you, this one, like it's been really helpful. This one specific app that we have actually two different apps that we have I'm thinking of, like it'll show you they went to this page, then they did this thing, then they did this thing, then they put this input in, then they did, then they click this button and then it errored, mm -hmm. right? And it shows you that entire like entire trace of kind of like their their recent actions leading up to the thing that went wrong. Uh, it's been pretty helpful yeah. trying to evaluate and figure out what actually went wrong there, yeah. right? So is that the other thing I was going to say too is that like one thing that's helped us a lot, and I feel like so much of a uh, you know a team lead or a, or a PM or a manager or whatever you want to call them, well, so much of their job is managing distractions to kind of continue to keep as much effort pointed in the right direction as possible mm -hmm. and, and to not like have all these little diversions that are pulling away from the work that's supposed to be doing. So, so, you know, we had talked about doing two week sprints earlier and yes, that's, that's good. Um, whatever. What we've done is like, we realize that there's a lot of times in the week that people bring up items that need to be done, whatever. And so what we've said is like, unless it's something that's actually affecting money mm. like if we're unable to take payments or if we're unable to do the job the primary job we will stop everything we're doing and, and deal with that otherwise we push them into a fix it friday bucket mm -hmm. and so what we do is monday through thursday is always project work and non you know top level emergency or you know and, and any top level emergencies that come in but other than that everything gets pushed to friday so we do our regular work monday through thursday friday morning they come in finish up anything they worked on monday through thursday if there's any loose ends and then they spend the rest of the day doing like technical debt or fixes like that's it and so that's been really helpful so it's like we kind of have like this yes i know it's important but it's you at the most you only have to wait four days and it'll be at least looked at yeah. you know what i mean because sometimes it's like oh man like i know this isn't a priority but i got to do it at some point if i don't do it now it's not going to happen mm -hmm. so it's like by pushing it just a couple of days just yeah. to the end of the week that's been really helpful to kind of manage those distractions mm -hmm. yeah we're probably going to need to look at doing something like that because the amount of times that we get those little distractions those emails that come in through the course of the day we just need to because if you too, stop what you're doing you create a card you allocate the card you go and work on the problem like it might be a two-line fix but it takes you out of, like the context switching is the killer it takes you out of the context Correct. of whatever you're working on and then you oh, you got to go back and then it's another half an hour before you figure out where you're up to and what you're doing. And being able to yeah, just dedicate the day, I think will be good and probably something we'll look and at, by, especially now that it's just me and, and there's one two other, other person little, at the moment. Yeah. There's two other little things too is like by introducing that delay, a lot of times by the time you get to that problem, it's been fixed or resolved, mm -hmm. right? Just that little delay is enough for them to be like, oops, you know, I actually did that wrong. My bad. Don't worry about it, right? Or, oh, looks like that was just a one-off something or other. The other thing that, so, so you know, sometimes it solves helps to solve the problem. The other thing is that by them knowing that there's a small delay, it takes away that instant gratification thing. So sometimes they just don't yeah. submit stupid crap and that's that makes the thing, no sense. That if, they, if, if they bring you something and you fix it straight away, then they're more inclined to bring it 
to you, you know, the next time, here's another little thing and it will just get fixed exactly. straight away. So yes. Right. And and so it's not that you don't want to fix it, but it's like, hey, if it's not the top of the like if it's not top priority, I promise you we have other things we're working on. So it'll get dealt with as soon as we get to it, which may be this Friday, maybe next Friday, literally. Like it's not that important. It's probably not going to get at the top of the list. We got a lot of other things that were the top of the list for this Friday, you know? So anyway, that's been helpful for me. Had no idea we were going to be talking about that, about the show, which is not a problem, mm-hmm. but there you go, folks. There you go. All right, man. So, Hey, uh, what else do we want to talk about? We want to talk about Jetstream or do we want to talk about Stripe stuff? Um, I think Jetstream is pretty, I think we spoke about it previously. Um, and it was just like, you know, yeah, maybe a little bit. shuffling things around because we, you know, we'd gone off down a path with building Teams integration into then ping me. And, and most of what we had built eventually, once I had convinced you, was what what ended up being built into Jetstream. So there was not. That's very true. There was not. Yes, a it, lot, was. it was hilarious, actually. <laughs> there was not a lot of changes that we needed to, you know, some methods changed. We had a members relationship and Jetstream called it users. And so we just had to like tweak a few little things like that here and there. But for the most part, it works really, really well. We didn't have to change too many of our tests. You know, the, the biggest change we had to make was really just changing to the Laravel 8 factories. That that caused some issues, but it, it streamlined things a lot, and it's made things a lot easier to work yeah. with. Thankfully, so why don't you why don't you why don't you walk us through what you've been working on with the the billing? Yeah, for sure. So the other, real quick before we just switch over to that, I'll just say that Jetstream. Um, some of the things that have been really cool as I've been screwing around with it is just the components that are shipped with that make it really nice. Like those panels that they have are are really handy. So you can have like, I think it's like jet action panel or something, jet form panel or something like that. Uh, anyway, and the um, it makes it really, really nice and, and gives you a great starting point to be able to integrate all those items and make it look exactly like the rest of the jet stream panels do. So with that, we were kind of able to introduce our own sort of billing section. So the initial idea when we first came to this was we were going to use Stripe's new customer portal, which is really cool. If you haven't looked at this, basically what it allows you to do is it allows you to send your users to a customer portal on Stripe's side that will allow them to update and manage any of their payment methods, as well as their subscriptions, as well as any invoices. So it handles all three of those things for you so they can upgrade, downgrade their subscriptions, they can delete a payment method they can edit their payment methods or add multiple payment methods set different ones as default you can see any of the invoices that you've had and those things are all generated for you on stripe's side so you don't have to manage that your apps side it just kind of does it in the background Mm -hmm. for you which is really handy some of the things that i noticed that were a little bit weird though which i wanted to talk about real quick is Stripe has a bunch of different services. If you haven't used it before, you have Elements, which is basically like a input field that you can use to collect uh, credit card information. And then it'll tokenize it for you. You can store mm-hmm. it on your side and charge that manually. So that's kind of Elements. Then you have Checkout, which is where you can specify a product in your Stripe dashboard. And once you have that product or products created and pricing to go along with those products, you can then create a checkout session for the user based on what product they selected. So you make a little webhook call to uh, to Stripe and then it will generate for you a session ID and you redirect over to their checkout flow. And that will just handle all of that for you so you don't have to embed anything on your site uh, at all as yeah. far as the form goes. So it's like a redirect, right? It does a redirect. And then once they do their payment, then it sends you a webhook. So that's checkout. Uh, and then you, all, then you have like the customer portal. 
So it was a little bit confusing to get started with because I originally thought, well, the customer portal, you'll just send them over there and then they'll select their subscription and pay for it and all that. Can't do that. You can only send them to the customer portal once they have selected for and paid for a subscription using Mm -hmm. the checkout flow. So your subscription is essentially a product and you have to send them over to the checkout for that particular subscription. And once that happens, then you can send them to the customer portal and they can see their subscription and manage their billing and manage all their other stuff. So that's great. The challenge we were having is that was all working fine. They would, When a user would initially signs in, we check to see, does their team have an active subscription? And if they don't, then we send them to the subscription page where they can choose a, a plan and, and their pricing monthly or annual, and then go to the checkout and, and handle that. Um, the problem we were having is if someone wants to downgrade their subscription, let's say, if they go to the customer portal, all I have to do is click downgrade and there you go. The problem we have is if somebody is using the abilities that they have on a pro plan and they decide to go backwards to a solo plan, how do you decide which ones of those abilities to remove from their user or from their team, right? So let's use a very concrete example. Let's say that with a solo plan, they have one team, I'm sorry, one project and one team member that they can have. They upgrade to a pro plan, which gives them 10 projects and five team members. So let's say they do that, and now they have five projects that they're running. Let's say then they want to downgrade their subscription to solo. No problem. They can do that. But now, which four projects should get removed to take them back down to the solo plan? Or which team members should be removed in order to get them back down to the solo plan, right? So it's either we just say, hey, we're cutting off Mm -hmm. your last four most recent projects, and too bad, so sad, you can't get back to them unless you re-upgrade. Oh, and those team members you had added to the group can no longer receive notifications, or if they do, they can't get back in, right? So what we said was we need some way to be able to control whether they can downgrade or not. And so that basically brought us to the point where we said, okay, we actually can't use the customer portal to handle upgrades and downgrades because we can't automatically determine what things to cut out based on their, their activity. So so, um, Michael, you ended up kind of writing a little um, selector that used some information we had stored about the number of members and the number of projects they could have to sort of determine whether or not they could downgrade based on the plan that they were on. So, I don't know if you want to talk about that a little mm-hmm. bit and kind of like what, yeah, it, well, what went into just that. Just going or back not. to the, the stuff um, you were talking about with the X, the, the jet action panel and all that kind of stuff makes it really easy to sort of when you're building that management type of stuff into your app. Um, I know that there's some conjecture around right. you know, bringing in Jetstream and having opinionated styles and things like that for any of the management side of the application, like the the generic sort of billing teams, user stuff. I'm happy for that to to all just be Jetstream and, and to look like Jetstream. And fortunately for us, like yeah, most totally of our agree. stuff was based on Tailwind and Tailwind UI anyway. So there was not a huge departure. And, and you know, right. that doesn't work exactly. in everyone's situation. But... For us, it was just a matter of, you know, we've got, and, and, and I'd like to do a video on this at some stage, but it's just hard to find the time at that moment. All of our all of our Stripe plans are just in a config file, right? So we've got config slash plans.php. And then inside of our service provider, we have a, a, a container binding. So just a singleton called plans. And that returns a plan collection. So we have a custom collection object that encapsulates 
the plans themselves. So rather than working with a config array, we have a, a plan collection so and nice. we just essentially just return new plan collection inside of that that singleton. And so we can just get our plans any at any time using app plans. And then we can swap that out at, you know, during tests so that we don't have to worry about that or we can test against the, the real plan data, which is good. And it means that we can put in like specific logic into the the plan collection in order to find things. So it's a it's a multi-dimensional array structure, right? So we have an array of products and under each product, there's an array of pricing and the pricing is either monthly or yearly. So in order to do things in there, we can say like, um, and I'll just pull it up so I'm not <laughs> making it up as I go along. We've got things in there like, find plan by pricing ID and find plan by lookup key and things like that. Like the ways that we would talk to Stripe in order to find the plans within our own application, which just makes things a lot quicker to find. Who knows where I even put the collection? <laughs> Bim, a little bit easier. Oops. Oops. Ah. Riveting, riveting viewing for everyone. My fingers are in the wrong place. <laughs> and my computer is still doing the thing where the battery is. I love that one. I love that when I'm in Vim and then I accidentally press yeah. the wrong key and start typing and then the screen just goes insane. Just like, yeah, yeah exactly. So we've got it's on like, our whoa, plan whoa, whoa, collection wait, wait, object, we've got a find by name, find by product ID, find by pricing ID, find by lookup key and find pricing ID by lookup key. Um, and all of this stuff is just like wrappers around collection methods. So find by pricing ID, it finds the first plan where the pricing ID matches a nested price ID, right? So... All, all of this stuff rather than having to do this everywhere like there's three or four places that we're we're looking for plans and it's easy just to do it this way and then the collection actually returns an array of DTOs so we're using the sparsy DTO package the data transfer object package and that allows us to put some behavior and some consistency on the plans themselves yep. so if we were to look at a plan for example we've got some additional functionality on there to sort of say like, give me the the monthly pricing for this plan or give me the yearly pricing. And then we've added the functionality in there, can can downgrade projects and can downgrade seats. So there are there are two criteria for then ping me that um, change between the different pricing tiers that we have. So that's um, the number of projects that you can monitor and the number of seats that you have. And this is where it comes back to what you were saying. If, if a customer wants to downgrade, if they're on the, the sort of the, pro tier they get you know three three seats and 10 projects or whatever it is if they if they're using 11 projects we don't know yeah yeah we could make the assumption okay you're going to lose access to the most recent you know anything that is over 10 so 11 and above you just lose access to that based on when it was created what what we decided was probably the better user experience was to just show in the in the plan switcher you can't downgrade to this plan because you are using more seats than the plan offers or you're monitoring more projects than the plan offers. And so we make it really clear at that point and at least there's some action that can be yeah. taken. Oh, okay, this is the case. I can go and you know remove a team member if I need to remove a team member or I can you know get rid of an old project that I don't need anymore or I could just stay on this plan, which works out better for us because, you know, obviously more revenue that way. So, and, and this is where it got to the point where it's like, well, we'd really like to use customer portal, right, but right. we can't really because there's, there's no way for us to tell customer portal 
that there's X number of inclusions and the customer is in breach of those. And you don't you don't want to send send some away to like a third party page. Correct. And then correct. Yeah. Then they yeah. go, okay, I'm gonna change down a plan and it all gets processed in Stripe and then they come back to us and like then they we've got no way of saying that this is gonna happen. So they come back and suddenly they've lost access to seven of their eleven projects. Um or eight of their 11 right. projects or they exactly. lost, you know, two of the team members are not getting any, um, any notifications for things anymore. So just making it really explicit. And now, now we've got the kind of split where that part of the process is handled on our side. But if you want to update your billing method, or if you want to check, your, you know, download old invoices or whatever, then that is still going to go into the customer portal for now. And we'll just figure out over time, like, is, is that fine? Like, do we, do we need to change it? Cause I was like, I don't know about having the disjointed experience and you're like, eh, it's easy just to put a button there and they can go and do it. And if we get questions about it, then then we can deal with it later. In in hindsight, I don't think we will get too many questions about it because, you know, we're all developers and this is a developer-focused tool. So I think people will kind of get that. The I only place agree, where yeah. it might become an issue is if you have a like a billing-only team member and, it, you know... And that may be something that we they look at later. Like, does a billing only team member yeah, okay. count towards the number of seats? Like, can you just add a billing team member that is kind of outside of the inclusion? Because then you can have three actual team mm. members and then That's someone who's got the billing role, and they don't see the projects and they don't get any right. of the notifications, but they can go and manage billing. Because you know your your accounts person might need to go and fetch the invoices for last month or the last six months or whatever at tax time. So that's something that we can figure out later on. Um, whether that person sits there, but at, yeah. at the, where we right. stand at the That's moment, a good point. Like, this is yeah, all yeah. functional. Um, we just need to, and so, you and I were discussing. Or I said we need to do the like the terms and the privacy policy and all that, and then you yeah. went to try and steal some from other people. As a oh, we're a startup, we just do this for now. At some point, we're probably going to yeah, have yeah. to get them vetted, at least read them, Correct. and make sure that they're suitable for our needs. Yeah. For sure. I, I think there's, I mean, it, you know, this is not an uncommon need. I mean, you have privacy policy, you have mm-hmm. terms and conditions, and then you have a lot of like, GD, you have some GDPR compliance stuff. So there are there are some really good resources I found around those actually. While looking for examples, I like went to Laracasts actually, and there was some discussion around some people saying, you know, in the in the message boards, like, "Hey, mm-hmm. have you found something that you know some sites that work good for generating mm-hmm. these, whatever?" And there was some really good, uh, really good options. Maybe I'll fill those in the show notes, possibly. Um, in any case, uh, I looked at the ones for Forge and for Laracasts. And I was actually looking for like, I went to Chipper CI first. I was like, this yeah. is, they got to be doing something similar to like this because like Chipper CI is like, you know, it's like a product for your stuff. doesn't like necessarily manage your servers or anything. So I was like, I'm wondering, but their stuff will probably be pretty similar. I didn't find anything. So I don't think that, I'm not sure if they even have anything. <laughs> yeah. Chipper CI privacy. Like I'm Stripe says that you need to have these things. So I don't know, you know, what the, yeah, what the kind of, um implications are for not having them i guess for a smaller for us like just starting out probably doesn't matter but at the same time like you want to and like we put the information into the faqs you know people are going to ask what do you know because there's a client application that sends information from your application to us and so people want to know like what are we sending what are we tracking um and and it's only the things that we need to know to give you the information about your application like we tell you was this running on a production or a staging environment? Was it running from that? Like we we go to some detail to figure out the actual IP address, um, and 
like if it's a public IP, you know, you might get funny about someone having access to your IP address. Not that they can't figure that out, but like, you know, we're not going to do anything with that. Um, private IPs, like you're not going to have access to anyway. If it's inside like a an AWS VPC, like if it's on a private range or a 172 or a 10 dot address, like you're not going to get to it anyway, even if you did know what it was. Um, and, and we take some information about what you've put into your application. So if you've put a description on your scheduled task, like we know what that is and we know the, the run, obviously we need to know what the schedule is for the command because we need to know when your task is not run on time and things like that. So, but we don't, we don't take any, any profiling information or diagnose. Well, actually that's, that's not, that's not true. We do calculate run times and, and memory usage, but you know, we don't profile your server. We don't, you know, we don't inspect your application. We don't look at the, the code itself. Like we don't know what's in there. You know, we only capture the information we need in order to, you know, give you the information thereafter, which is my task is not running. And then in terms of like team members, well, you need to, uh, this is actually coming in Jetstream as well in the future where right. you'll be able to invite someone yeah. who's not already a user, which we'll probably wait on. For now, people can just like sign up and then get added. And that will save us having to do that work ourselves. I expect Taylor will turn that around. I think so too. Quickly, um, yeah. In the next yeah, couple of so weeks. Uh, and we can just we can just bolt that on later. But like, you know, we know your name and your email address. And, you know, we need your name because we say, right. hey, Jake. Here is your task that is running late, and we need your email address because we need to send it to you. Um, in future, we're gonna have other communication channels. So we'll do Slack, we'll do webhooks, and probably the only other thing we'll do is like Zapier. And then you can just do whatever the heck you want from right. it from Zapier, and then we don't need to worry about integrating a million different notification channels. So that'll probably be something that we want to roll out soon after we launch um, the product. But it's been running fairly smoothly for a while now, like probably the last time we had a blip was when I rolled out the um, data pruning. So we, we give you a, the, the maximum period of time that we track information historically in terms of how many alerts you had and things like that is 30 days. So we keep the previous 60 days of metrics so that we can say like, you know, last month you had a thousand alerts and this month you've got 50 alerts, right? So that you can see that you fix a whole bunch of problems and, I expect that'll be the case for a lot of people that like, they don't know, you don't know unless you're monitoring this stuff that you have got issues, that tasks are running too long and they're slowing down other tasks on the same queue, uh, on the same schedule and things like that. So um, when I rolled that stuff out, um, Frank put out a good post on pruning data and doing it in an efficient way and, and essentially chunking it into you know, a thousand. And, and if there were some records deleted, then re the job and do another thousand and keep doing that until you get to zero. The problem that I had the only thing that he didn't mention in that blog post, which in hindsight was obvious, was that um, I didn't have an index on the creator. Uh, app. So when I was yes. trying to sort a table that had like 3 million records on it by um, created at descending limit 1000, that kind of slowed everything. And, it, you know, that locked the table, which caused cascading issues. So that was probably about three or four weeks ago, maybe longer. And, and that's the lot. Like I haven't seen, I haven't had any of my applications fail to report. I haven't received any, well... Unless we're not sending notifications and something is critically broken, um, <laughs> everything seems to be going fine. And we've onboarded a few more people. I've had a couple of people message me with issues just around like getting set up and things like that. And those things I've documented and put in the FAQ, which will, which right. will go out with That's the next the round thing. of the docs. updates yep. that we push out. Yep, docs are good to go. So um, yeah, so yeah, so written all the documentation for everything and the FAQs and and things like that. 
and I've, I've knocked out most of the things. We'll probably get some kind of blog up eventually that goes into more detail about some of the FAQ points. I know that Justin Jackson's really good with, with Transistor. When people ask him a question, he'll go and put like a blog yeah, post together exactly. or an FAQ yeah, and things like that so that the next time someone asks that question, you can just say, here's the FAQ. Right. It's an investment kind of in your own sanity, I suppose. Like, so, you know, if you have that mm-hmm. question once, it's likely you're going to have it a couple of times. So then you can just say, hey, yeah, here's some documentation I wrote up about that. If you have any other questions, I'd be happy to help you out, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but at least give yeah. them a good place to start. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we've still got a couple of things to do, but I mean, we're really, I mean, I think honestly, the, the only things we probably have to have to do before we get launched is like we do need to put that privacy in the terms condition stuff in place. But I don't think that's too big of a deal. Like I said, that we can there's some that we can there's borrow. I did, find, I did find them on Chipper CI. Uh yeah, and we can just throw them in our documentation stuff. So basically then we just have to say when somebody's signing up, you're agreeing to the terms and conditions and the uh privacy policy checkbox mm-hmm. that they don't read, right? As we stated earlier, <laughs> and that they register and then we're good. Yep. Yeah. So I'm excited, man. I think I, you know, I want to shoot for like this next week. I think that'd be awesome. I don't see any reason why. I think we have to because so. we're running out of October, and this would be the yep. second October. This we said we're going to launch October. by October last year, and uh, yep. we didn't. We didn't say yep. October 2019. So yep. we still haven't said hit. October 2020 either. So it could just be October 2021 at this point. <laughs> yeah. So we're. But we're we want to try and get it out. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we've got uh, what is it? The the 20th today? The 19th? It is the 19th, 20th your time. Uh, yeah, it's, think, the 19th, well, it's, it. it's the 19th here. Yeah, it's the 19th here. Yeah, so we've got... 19th here. Yeah, really early in the morning. Uh, 31 then. days yeah, this month. So over. we've got, you know, 12 days to go. Two weeks. I think we'll be I good. think we yep. should be able to get it done. I agree. I agree. So exciting times, man. And uh, speaking of exciting times, it is now exciting time for me to go to bed. Mm. So what else we got to talk about? Anything else we got to talk about? We're going we're gonna to talk about our friends over at Fathom Analytics. Let's do it. So our Fathom Analytics is a privacy-focused. Hey, maybe we should talk to them about a privacy policy. I know that they actually pay Ooh, like a person. Like They've got a privacy person. I know Jack and, and Paul talk about this person on their podcast often, so maybe I'll hit Jack up about it. But Fathom Analytics is a privacy-focused analytics platform, giving you all of the information that you need about your website application visitors and nothing that you don't. There's no cookie tracking, so you don't need to put up those annoying little screen real estate eating modals. And if you join using the special link, usefathom.com forward slash north, you will get a 14-day free trial as well as a $20 credit against your account, which on the basic plan will get you about two months of free service. So if you're looking to make the move away from that horrendously overcomplicated Google Analytics dashboard and look at something that's a little more pleasing and a little quicker and something that's hosted on Laravel Vapor, uh, definitely check them out. As I said, you can check them out at usefathom.com forward slash north. Sounds good, man. Hey, tell us also real quick, how's the how's the new baby doing? She's doing well. I got to see I got to see the beginning you of the show. You got to see her yeah. beforehand. Yeah, she's doing really well. Um, she is five weeks and three days old now, sort of starting to settle into a better sleep routine, although, you know, knock on wood, now that I've said that, she won't sleep well tonight. There were a couple of days last week where she'd wake up and she would be grisly and not wanted to be put down and then she'd be up for two hours and, <laughs> you know, that that wears on you. But last night we got uh, four hours, four and a half hours and three hours, so it wasn't too bad in a couple of nice blocks. But she's just grizzly during the day. Like we'll put her down for a nap and she'll just grizzle, grizzle, grizzle for three quarters of an hour. Like I put her down and I waited 
15, 20 minutes. And then I drove to the gym, which was another 15 minutes and re-messaged me probably another 15 minutes after that saying, oh, well, she's just grizzled herself to sleep now. So, you know, it took her an hour to get <laughs> to sleep. And then, you know, she sleeps well once she's there, but it just takes a while to get her there. Um, and she'll fall asleep on you, you know, like that. And then as soon as you put her down, she's like, what? No, I we'll wasn't sleeping. Down. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And we, we had the same problem just kidding. with Eli. Just kidding. And, um, you know, Eli's really good now. We can we can put him down and and he just lights out. You know, we follow through our routine. We sing the songs. We drink the bottle. We get him into bed. We say, you know, good night. And I just walk out the room and that's it. And that's the last I hear from him for 12 hours. So that's the best. it's been good. And especially that he's like sometimes re, uh, re, <laughs> sometimes live really screams, <laughs> especially, you know, it's, it's, it's getting warmer now, but it's still a little bit chilly at night. So, you know, you get the nappy off and live just blows her lid like i'm cold stop it. and then the the wet wipes are never pleasant so you've got to i have to like tuck them into my yep. boxer shorts so that you know they can like into the side so they can warm up a little bit before i go and wipe her backside so she's she's doing well. She's, doing well she's um she's awake more and she's starting to get a little bit more alert and we've got her on the she's got this little jungle play mat and uh she seems to enjoy that for literally minutes at a time before she chucks the shit so that's funny man that's awesome that is awesome. Yeah, she's so cute. So, so cute. Yeah. yeah. Congratulations yeah. again. So mm-hmm. excited for you guys. Well, hey, everybody. Thanks so much for hanging out with us for a little bit. This was episode cool. 84. If you'd like to find show notes for this episode, you can find them at northmeetsouth.audio slash 84. Again, thanks to Fathom Analytics and Work Vivo for uh, sponsoring the show today. Uh, if you liked it, you can uh, rate us up in your podcatcher of choice. Choice at five stars is very much appreciated. Or just hit that retweet button when we uh, post it out there on the Twitters. Any comments or questions are also welcome on Twitter at Michael, Dorinda at Jacob Bennett, or at North South Audio. Thanks for saying thank you so much, everybody. Holy cow, I cannot talk. It's too late. <laughs> Thanks so much, everybody. We'll see you again see in two hey. weeks. Bye.